Good morning, 11 a.m. Good to see you. How are you doing this morning? If you need to join me in the class after Morning the Mariners Lost, we're going to be right in this room over here <laughs> where we're going to spend six hours in prayer. And, and, and just kidding. <laughs> Who watched the game yesterday? Just let me see. Yeah, fun, fun times. And um, actually, it was funny. I read before I came up to speak last night at the 6 p.m., I was like, oh, it's in the 13th inning, so we'll see what happens while I get done speaking. I get down and the game's still going. After, and my sermon isn't that long this weekend. So well, anyway, it's really crazy times. Actually, in my family, my, uh, my wife called me on Thursday and she said, hey, my mom just called me and her work has given her uh, two tickets to the Mariners game for the playoff game on Saturday. I'm like, that's awesome. She's like, and they're in the Diamond Club. And I'm like, Diamond Club is like amazing. And so if I'm a little bit bitter, yeah, I'm a little bit bitter, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> I was here doing the Lord's work, and I'm just kidding. <laughs> Enough of that, but we're, we're grateful you're here. We're in a series called The Place to Call Home, and I'm just so thankful because I've been able to be blessed by the family that is called Calvary Community Church and this, this house that has been here for 35 years and what God's been doing. And this, this vision series, we're, we're, we're kind of saying, thank you, Jesus, for the foundation we have now let's recommit to some things that you've called us to be. And Pastor Ray opened up four, he opened up the series with four words last week. Uh, extra credit if you remember them. If not, foundation, formation, foundation, and future. Did I say the same thing? Family, formation, foundation, future. <laughs> Family, foundation, formation, future. Those four words. And this week, I get to the privilege of opening up with the word family and talking about what it means to be of the family of God. And so we're going to be in Ephesians, where we're going to spend the most of our time. This morning, I invite you to stand to your feet, if you'd be willing to this morning. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 1, just one verse, and then we're going to read uh, six or seven verses in Ephesians chapter 2. Here's the roadmap this morning. I, I want to show you through the scriptures how God has adopted you into the family of God. God has adopted us into His family. And I want to show you some theological implications of what this means. In other words, some things that what the Bible says about being in the family of God. And then after that, I want to give us three practical things and what it can mean for our family uh, as we live into being adopted into God's family. So this is what the scriptures say in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. And it says this, God decided in advance to adopt. Everyone say adopt. To adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And catch this, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Amen, right? That God has decided to adopt us into his family before you even were born, before you even did anything, before you even earned anything. That, none of that mattered to God. He chose to invite you into his family and adopt you into his family, and he wanted to do it. Aren't you thankful this morning for that? He wanted, he wanted us to be a part of his Family. Now let's talk about Ephesians chapter 2 a little bit later. Paul gives us some implications of what this really means. What this means for us to be a part of the family of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13, it says this, But now you have been united with Christ. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Verse 14, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united the Jews and the Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Verse 15, he did this by ending the system of the law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between both the Jews and the Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups together as one body. Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to 
death. Just two more verses. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles. That's us, by the way. Who are far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. And last verse. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers or foreigners. Catch this. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Let's pray this morning. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray it would go deep into our hearts. Thank you for the truth of this word. Um, Lord, I pray that as we leave today, there would just be clarity in our hearts that we are a family and you've adopted us into this family. And so Lord, I just pray you would anoint my lips this morning. You would give my heart the words to share. Lord, this is just as much for me as it is for anyone else in this room. Lord, I'm not the teacher this morning. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. The word of God, the truth that we we build our lives on in in a crazy, chaotic, upside down world it's these moments of centering, these moments of centering around your word that put us on a firm foundation to follow you. And thank you that you give us a family to do it in that context of. And so Lord, would you encourage our hearts this morning. Meet anyone that's distracted, I pray these next 30 minutes could at least be the, a time of us to focus in on you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen, amen. You may be seated this morning. This, this word family, this word family uh, I know for me, when I, when I say the word family, a lot of things start coming through my mind. I think about uh, when, I was, when I was growing up, I think about all the family Christmases and the holidays and the Thanksgiving with all of our family together. I, I think about uh, when my mom used to drive us to school and family. I think about uh, doing long road trips. Who's, who's been bold enough to do a long road trip with your kids before? Yes. How many know it's a spiritual experience with lots of prayer all the time, right? <laughs> And um, all the, I remember all those m- memories and experiences and all those things. Uh, and then, I, actually, I remember my mom uh, dropping me off at my grandma's house, who they're here today. I remember now I get to be the one to bring my son to his grandma's house and all these certain things that come around family. And I remember five years ago when my wife and I got married, it was like, we're, we're family. Like, this is cool. Like, now we're our own family. This is exciting what God's going to do. And then... 18 months ago, he blesses us with a little one. His name's Liam. And now it's like, wow, he is, a, he is in our family now. And this is exciting. Like, look at this. And uh, all the, I don't know, that changed everything about our family, by the way, when the baby comes. And uh, we're, we're just, we're so grateful. And then now we get to see him grow up in our family. We get to see him learn to walk and see him uh, learn to eat and see him sleep for the most part and, and see uh, him start to have his own opinions. Amen, right? And all, the, all these things, like this morning when he was at church and he wanted to get checked into Calvary Kids, but he's a pastor's kid, so he knows that he can come up and play the drums sometime midweek when no one's here. And all he wanted to do was come up during my message and play the drums last service, okay? Uh, and he let the Calvary Kids workers know it while he was over there. But this is, the, this is the reality of growing up in family and all these memories and these experiences and these things that happen. When I say the word family, what comes to your mind? What, what memories, what experiences? Is it your own context right now? Is it, is it maybe some bad experiences? I'm so sensitive to that this weekend that maybe there's some people in this room that you've had some bad experiences of family. There's been some moments in, in growing up that are not fond ones, or maybe they're really positive ones. I want to I remind us or teach us or help us rethink or reshape our minds this weekend that what we're a part of right now, what we're a part of in this room, it's not a social gathering. It's not simply an institution. It's not something we we do on a Sunday morning to check the box. 
It's not a performance to come and watch uh, something happen and you, wow, this is a great music and that was a great message and, and then you leave. It's, it, it's not just a, an hour of an obligation. I wanna remind us this morning what, what this is. This is family. This is family. I think, like, in fact, we, we ought to change our weekend services to be like, to say instead of weekend services, Calvary's family reunion, <laughs> right? Like every, every weekend we come at 6 p.m. and 9 and 11 to be a part of family. And, and the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter one and Ephesians chapter two, he wants us to get this, these powerful implications of what it means that God has adopted us into his family, He's allowed us to be a part of his family. In fact, Ephesians chapter two, I, I didn't read it. I didn't read the whole, whole thing. We could have been here all day reading it, but it says like right before that passage of scripture I read about being in God's family, it says this, that pre-Christ, we were dead. And that word is like spiritually dead with no hope, with no future. We were dead. And then the two greatest words in the Bible are, but God. Everyone say, but God. <laughs> but God, I was dead. But God intervened, amen. He came, he came to this earth 2,000 years ago and he made a way for dead people to become alive. And he comes and he says, I have made you alive in Christ because of the cross, because what I have done for you. And this is what's so cool about Ephesians chapter two. He, he makes dead people come to life through the gospel. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ through what he does in our lives. And not only that, but immediately, right after in Ephesians chapter two, he puts us in a family. He puts us in a family. See, I think sometimes we like to think this faith thing is just my decision. And yes, it is only a decision that you can make. Only you can make this decision. But when you make this decision, the beautiful thing is God's like, cool, you made that decision. Now, here's a family of believers. Here's a family of people to do this with. What are some implications this morning? I just wanna walk through Ephesians chapter two just for a few minutes. What are some implications of being adopted into God's family? Here's the first one. I think this is so encouraging this morning. When we're adopted into the family of God, we have this invitation of nearness to the Father. We have an invitation. I love this. This invitation of nearness to the Father. This is what it says in verse 13. But now, you have been united with Christ. Once you were far away from God, this is that pre-Jesus time when you were dead in your sins and your trespasses, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. He has made you alive and he's brought you near to him. So being adopted into the family of God means that you get a father who is Unlike any human being, any earthly father, and I know in this room there are some incredible fathers. I'm blessed. My dad is actually serving behind the scenes this morning. I have an incredible father running graphics this morning. So if you're like, they're bad, that's my dad that's doing it, right? <laughs> He's slow. I've been blessed with an amazing father, and I know many in this room have an amazing dads, but I also know um, that that's, that's not true for everyone. But let me remind you this morning, when you're adopted into the family of God, you have a forever father, and he is perfect, he loves you so much. He has a plan for your life. He, he's not just a father, but he is, he's near to you. He's close to you. He wants to be there for you. He wants to be there with you. I love this invitation that he says, you can come to the father. He brings us near because of the blood of Jesus. Maybe, maybe just something just for you to, to practice in your own life. One of the things in my spiritual journey, what I, I do, and I, when I go to pray, oftentimes I'll just acknowledge God's nearness to me. Like it might, it might go something like, God, I just thank you this morning as I go to my devotionals. God, I thank you that this morning you are here with me as I'm reading my Bible and drinking my coffee. 
You need to acknowledge, God, you're here. Last night, I was blessed to pray for a woman in our church who's just going through just an incredible, incredibly difficult time. And I opened up our prayer time and I just said, Lord, I thank you that you are near to this woman in the midst of the, of the craziness that she's walking through right now. How many know that paradigm shift just changes so much in our life? To know that God's not some distant Santa Claus who is uh, waiting for you to do good things and then he's gonna pour a blessing on your life or he's not some distant Santa Claus who's angry at you that's waiting for you to, to do the right thing and because you made a wrong decision, he's further. How many know that is so theologically incorrect and not the heart of our God? He's always near. He's always close. He's always there. So when we get adopted into God's family, what it means is that we have a father and we have an invitation for nearness to him. Secondly, what's this mean? The, this, the, the second thing about being adopted is that we have a protection of peace, a, product, a protection of peace in an anxious world. That's what verse 14 says. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. Jesus he is our peace. What's it mean to be a part of the family of God, to be adopted into the family of God? I think it means as, as Jesus invites you into his family, he says, I, I'm gonna invite you to become a person of peace. I'm gonna invite you to know that this is what it means to follow me as you get peace. This is, this is the, the gospel, is that we come to Jesus and we have this exchange. He takes our heaviness, he takes our anxiousness, he takes our worry, and what's he exchange it with? With his peace, with his joy, with his love, with his confidence, with his life in us. It's this, it's this great exchange, and one of those is the protection of peace. And notice what the scripture says in Ephesians chapter two that we read, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. To us, to us together, to, to both both, all people, and this is what, this is what the, the scriptures want us to get, is that each and every one of us in this room are to pursue peace with Christ. We're to pursue this overwhelming, what the scriptures call shalom. And it's this peace that, that nothing else can, can take away from you except for, uh, actually nothing can take it away from you. Circumstances will come in your life, but shalom doesn't matter about circumstances. Shalom inside is this, is this overwhelming peace that says, my peace is not dependent on the conflict of the things around me. How many know if you wait for your conflict to end or for your circumstance to end for peace, you'll be waiting a long time for peace. If we're waiting for things to calm down before we're gonna experience peace, we will never experience true peace. True peace is not about waiting for things to change. True peace is allowing me to change. And God coming and meeting me in those moments. And so the, the opportunity is for each and every one of us to experience peace. As we're adopted into the family of God, this is who we become together. We become a, we become a group of people who are overwhelmingly becoming a less anxious presence. How many know our world needs a church with a less anxious presence? We don't need to be making things crazy. We need to bring the peace of God to the situations, the shalom of God to places we go. So this is the reality. As we get adopted into the family of God, it's this protection of peace. Here's the third one. It's an opportunity for unity. It's an opportunity for unity in a divisive world. This is what it says in verse 15. He united both the Jews and the Gentiles into one people in his own body on the cross. He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. The opportunity for unity in a divisive world. World. Let, me, let me try and explain to you what this might mean because I know if, if you don't know the context, this could be a little bit confusing. In the Old Testament, in the first part of our scriptures, the people of Israel are on a journey to find their promised land. And in the midst of finding their promised land, the promise was that God was gonna send a Messiah. God was gonna send someone that would come and be their Messiah, be Israel's Messiah. And Jesus comes on the scene 2,000 years ago and he says, 
He says, I am here to be your Messiah. I am here to come. I, I, am the, I am the prophecies fulfilled. I'm the one that has come to be your hope, to be your peace. I'm the one that's come to Israel. And they're like, that is amazing. And it's fulfilled all the prophecies. We just thought you'd come in another way. And then this is what Jesus does. In all of Jesus' teachings and all of Jesus' life and who he is, he says, I'm not just here for the Jewish community. I didn't just come as a Messiah for Israel. I came as a Messiah for the whole world. Aren't you grateful for this? Because we're Gentiles. <laughs> and the, the scriptures say that he, he has come for both the, the Jew and the Gentile. He tore down the wall. If you know the history here, and I don't have time to unpack it, but there was a lot of division between Jew and Gentile. There, there was a lot of dissension between Jew and Gentile. And Jesus comes right in the middle and he says, listen, I didn't just come for the Jewish, Jewish people. I came for the Jewish people. I didn't just come for the Gentiles, though I did come for the Gentiles. I'm standing right in the middle and we're all gonna be one big happy family together. <laughs> Now there was some dissension because maybe that wasn't always a happy family together. But this was, this was radical for Jesus to do this. Jesus came and says, I am here for the whole world. I'm here so all people could come to me. This is the opportunity for unity. And if you're sitting there, you're probably saying, okay, Taylor, like I get the whole unity thing, but it's not what I see in this world. Jesus came for both the Jew and the Gentile to bring us together. But why is there still dissension? Let me tell you, this side of eternity, there will always be disunity and dissension. But the Bible says this key word that he is making. He's making all things new. He's in the process of it right now. So what's it mean that he's making all things new? In the midst of the things that we walk through, in the midst of the craziness and the disunity of our world, the invitation for those a part of the family of God, those adopted into God's family, the invitation is that we can start to become the people of unity that will actually show the rest of the world what heaven will look like forever. Did you catch that? As he's making all things new, we as the people of God can show the rest of the world what unity really looks like. And Jesus prays this before he goes to heaven. He prays, I pray that my people will live in unity because their unity is what the rest of the world will be drawn to my love through. That's what it says in the scriptures. Jesus' prayer. It's unity. I didn't ask this in any other service, but I, I feel like asking it now. Are you a part of unity or are you a part of disunity? Are you a part of the process of unifying people, unifying your family, unifying the conflict, unifying these? Are you a part of the people that's causing disunity? I think the call of the church is to be the people that help bring unity to things. And by the way, unity is not uniformity. Unity does not mean that we all look the same, talk the same, think the same. No, no, what unity is, is it's getting down to the foundations of the things that we believe as believers. It's saying, that God is a creator. He created me. He, he came and sent his son Jesus to be the, the redemption and to take the place of my place on the cross to bring grace to my sins, to bring, give me a forever future. That Jesus came and he died and he rose again, defeating hell, death, and the grave. Uh, he, he sends the Holy Spirit and now we're the church with the power of the Holy Spirit in us and he's with us every single day. One day he's coming back. Until then, we have community, we have family, we have the Holy Spirit, we have the truth that is our absolute truth, the word of God, and then there's going to be all these other things that we disagree on, but those things are our foundation. Those things are our unity. And let me tell you, I, I heard a pastor say this recently, and I, and I, had, to, and I had to put it in my notes. God, God, the enemy, the enemy of our soul, Satan, he, he's not worried about a big church. There's a lot of big churches, but you know what the enemy is scared of? The enemy is scared of a united church. 
The enemy is scared of a unified church because when we get behind the things that really matter, there will be a wave of revival that will come through a group of people that say, we're not gonna be worried about the, the, the distractions of this world. We're gonna be focused on the things that really matter, that bring life and hope and peace and that last forever. This is the unity. This is unity, the things that unite us. So being adopted into the family of God, it's this, it's this invitation to nearness. It's a protection of peace. It's the opportunity for unity. And, and lastly, it's a, it's a people to belong to. What's it mean that he's adopted us into his family? It means that he's given us a people to belong to. Love what it says in verse 15. It says, he has made peace between the Jews and the Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Here's what I wanna make this clear this, this morning. When it comes to what, what God is inviting you into, being adopted into his family, it means that you're being taken from one thing and, and invited into another. In other words, we are born into this, this sinful, broken world. And when we, when we get adopted into God's family, what he's saying is, I'm adopting you out of Satan's world and so all the sin and the brokenness, and I'm inviting you into God's peace. I'm inviting you into God's family, into God's kingdom. We're reborn, per se. And this is a big deal because many of you are not from great family backgrounds, but I wanna tell you, you are reborn into the family of God, and you've got, you've got people in your life that are spiritual family that have come to maybe meet the void of family that hasn't in your life. You have a people to belong to. You have people that have come and that have come around you. What does it mean to be a people to belong to? Read this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. I love how powerful this is. But you're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Do you have a low view of yourself this morning? Do you have a low view of who you are, who God says you are? Oh, I, I pray you be encouraged that he calls you chosen. He calls you a royal priesthood. He calls you a holy nation. He calls you his special possession. This is the promise of God, what it means to be a part of the family of God. You get adopted into these things. And by the way, you're getting invited into a forever family, a people to belong to. There's only two things that last forever. One is God and his character and his nature and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit last forever. The second thing that lasts forever is the people of God. Everything else is fading away. Everything else is gonna go away. But the people of God last forever. And you're like, Taylor, you mean some of these people I'm gonna be with forever? <laughs> Friends, I think we're gonna be surprised who's in heaven. Like, you made it here too? How did you make it here? <laughs> because God's good, isn't he? He gives grace to his people. And it's God's desire that all would be, if we choose and we say yes to him, it's desire that all of us would be adopted into God's family. A people to belong to. This is what it means to be adopted into God's family. So what are some implications about this? Like I wanna pause for you just to know how, how powerful this is. Like this isn't an intellectual ascent this morning of me teaching you some theological truths and you saying, yeah, that sounds really good, Taylor. Like, do you, is this, is this real to you? Is this true to you? Like, I hope so. Like, I hope this morning we can look at the scripture in Ephesians chapter two and just, it can say, thank God that I belong to something. <laughs> thank God that I have brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world. You know what's cool is that you get a family all around the world of people you'll never meet, but one day you might meet in heaven. Isn't that cool to think about? And there's people that are meeting in churches all over the world that we will never hear about, but they're still our brothers and sisters in Christ. Isn't that cool? 
So what should we be focused on? If these theological things are true, what should we be focused on? Here's the first thing. I think a church family should be focusing on gathering in unity to glorify God. If we've been adopted into God's family, I think we should be focused on gathering in unity to glorify God. I love what it says in in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up on meeting together, as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Do you see that line in between the two commas? Not giving up on meeting together. I believe this is what the church is called to do. We're called to gather, and be focused on gathering in unity. I'm so grateful for technology and how many people, and those of you watching online, we're so grateful you're a part of our, our family. And many people, this is the only way they can gather is through online. But I want to remind us that this, when we come on a Sunday morning at 11 a.m., there is so much power in this. I, I don't want you to downplay how powerful it is that you're in a room full of people that is your family, that, that think and believe in Jesus like you do, that are here to worship like, like this morning when we're singing that song, filled with wonder, awestruck wonder at the mention of your name. And we're singing that out as a church. It just does something in my soul to say, sometimes I can't even sing out those truths because of the things that I'm going to, but it's okay that I'm a part of a family of believers that are here to help sing the songs even when I can't sing them. And help remind me of the promises of God even when I'm struggling and to come and to check in on one another and pray for one another and to be here. I wanna just challenge us. I think sometimes, sometimes it's, my, it's our job to just challenge us and maybe irritate you a little bit. And that's okay, I'm okay with doing that. I wanna call us up a little bit to say when we come on a weekend, we should come with so much expectation. Like of what we see in the book of Acts when the people gathered and there was salvations and there was healings and there was people praying for one another and people joining the family of God every single time when they were reading. You know, the Acts chapter two church, when the church gathered, it was an evangelistic opportunity for them. When the church gathered and they began to talk about the scriptures and ask some of the questions, the people were curious and they would come and they would join the family weekly and daily, the scriptures say. This needs to be our heart too, to say that this, this gathering here is so important that we gather as a family and catch this. Here's why it's important. Because it's not about us. Did you catch those, those, those last few words I put on this statement? The church should be focused on gathering in unity to glorify God. Our primary focus when we're here on the weekends is not actually for us. Though I'm grateful that we'll receive from God because that's who he is. But our primary motivation is just to come and give God glory. Isn't he so worthy of our worship this morning? As he is so worthy, this is why we're here, to glorify him, that you might think this is the worst sermon you've ever heard, and that's okay. Because you're not here to hear my sermon. You're here to glorify God, who's on the throne, who has given you life, and who's given you a plan and a purpose, and has given you salvation, and he just calls us together to worship him and to give him praise and to give him honor. This is our primary reason. And then I think when we come to glorify him, I think we actually, in turn, we receive from him even better because we're come to glorify him, him alone. This means if it isn't how it always you want it to look or how you want it to see, all these things, it doesn't matter because it's God. That's why we're here. It's for Jesus and him alone. Amen? This is why. Number two, a church, focus, a church family should be focused on not just gathering together in unity, but growing together. A church family should be focused on growing together, building one another up, supporting one another. You know in the scriptures, when it, when it talks about the, 
the people of God, the family of God, and the, there's all these metaphors that the Bible uses to help us get pictures of things. The, the picture that the family of God is, is actually a house. The family of God, according to Ephesians, according to Romans, according to Galatians, is a house. And this is the metaphor we're supposed to see that has walls and has support beams and has these things that we come in and can, can lean on one another. It's like these bricks. In fact, I love what it says in Galatians chapter six. It says, brothers and sisters, if any of you is caught in sin, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently. I don't have time to talk about this all that much, but how many of you know when someone's going through a tough time, they don't need our harshness or our brashness or our opinions. They need our love and our kindness and our gentleness. It's a fruit of the spirit, it's gentleness. But watch yourselves or you shall also be tempted. So what do we do? We carry each other's burdens. And this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Jump down to verse nine. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all the people. What's it say? Especially to those who belong to the what? Family of believers. Carry each other's burdens. You are not meant to carry the heavy things that you carry. You weren't built for it. You can't. I wasn't. We, we were always meant to exchange our heaviness with God's peace. That was how he designed us. And when we carry the heavy things, when we carry the weight of the world alone, we're not living as we, as we were designed to live. God has saved us and then given us a family. And what is one of the aspects of that family? It's to grow together. And how do we grow together? We have to be vulnerable together. We have to be honest together. You need a few people in your life. You don't need a thousand. You need a few people in your life that you can really trust, that you can really share with, and they can help share some of the burdens that you're carrying in your life. It's like every time, it's like when you carry, you, can, you can't carry a piano up the stairs, but if you have 10 people, you can carry the piano up the stairs. It's the same with your, the things that come at you because we have some hard circumstances in this room. I know some of your stories. I know some of the things that you're processing and it's hard and it's difficult and you were never meant to just say, okay, I'm just gonna figure this out on my own. That is not what God wants for you. He wants you to lean on other people. He wants you to, 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 to uh, like offload some of the burden on other people because this is how the family of God grows. If I tell you all the things that are going well in my life, it'll be one thing. But if I sit with you in a group of people and I tell you some of the things that I'm struggling with, how many know we, we, we're synced together. Because like when we offload each other's burdens, it's like, wow, we're here we are. And we're in this together, aren't we? When I was in college, I went to a Christian college. And um, we had this awesome, he was like a gospel worship leader. And so it was so fun to sit underneath his worship as he was leading us. And he, was, he would lead us in this, song, and I, I'm not a very good singer, but I feel like I have to at least give you a picture. He'd sing, I need you, you need me. We're all a part of God's body. Stand with me and agree with me. Sorry, I'm not a good singer. We're all a part of God's body. And then he'd do this. He'd have us look at the person next to us. He said, turn around. And I need you. You need me. We're all apart. And he said, okay, now turn to the other person. And I need you. Do you get the picture? So would you stand to your feet? No, just kidding. I'm going to do it. 
How many know that's the truth? We should, we should do it. Because the people to your right and your left, you might not know them. They're strangers to you. Some of them. People in front of you might not know. But you need them. We need each other. I believe that God wants to use us to meet the needs of other people in this room. I believe that God wants to use us to meet financial needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs. You have a gift and someone, that's gonna meet the need that someone has. It's like this, it's, it's how the family of God is supposed to operate. We're called to grow together. We're excited in the next number of weeks to talk about some of these things as it comes to foundation and formation and what things that we feel the Lord calling us to as a church to grow in our faith. Let's be committed to growing together. Here's the last thing. So church family shouldn't just be called to gather, be called to grow, but I believe a church family should be called to go. Gather, grow, and go. In fact, when a church gets inward, catch this, this is just true of, of church life. When a church just turns inward, it's, it's a dead church. But when a church is outward and a church is focused on its community and the great commission and sharing and loving, that's a healthy church. Now, it's not just about a church. We're the church. So if you're focused on you, here's a litmus test to see where your faith is at this morning. If you're all just focused on you this morning, your needs, your desires, what, what your season is, I might just lovingly tell you your faith and your relationship with Jesus might not be as strong as you think it is because when you're outward focused and you're naturally outward focused, you'll know that your, your faith is strong and your faith is healthy. It, it, it's, it's the heart of God that we would, we would grow so that we can help other people. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says this, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men and women to Christ to make them little Christ. If they're not doing that, all the cathedrals, the clergy, the missions, the sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. It's even doubtful, you know, whether the whole universe was created for any other purpose. So church, you've been invited into God's family. He's invited us together into his family. Has some amazing truths that we have a father who's near to us a peace that's a protection and an invitation to unity, a people to belong to, and a church that's focused on, on gathering, and not just gathering, but on growing, not just on growing, but on going. This is the call of the family of God. If you're here this morning and you're feeling lonely, you're feeling on the outside, you're feeling on the outskirts, like in our culture, you know, we thought when COVID ended that people would just come back into community, not, not the case. There, sociologically, there is an increasing loneliness and increasing isolation in the United States of America. So if that's you this morning, you might not know a lot of people here, but let me tell you, there's some great people to get to know that wanna love you, wanna walk with you, wanna be for you, wanna help you grow in your faith in these ways, amen? Adopted into God's family. Let's pray this morning. Jesus. Thank you that you are our Father. Just in your own words, would you just tell God how thankful you are that he's your father?
If you're feeling lonely this morning and you're feeling like you don't have a lot of people in your corner, I pray that you would just express those right now to God. If you're here this morning and you have yet to receive Christ, you've yet to be born again into his family. As I'm talking this morning, you're saying, Taylor, that sounds really good, but I've never actually made that decision. The, the truth is, in order to be a part of the family of God, you have to invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. And if he, the invitation is open to all, he wants all to be a part, but you have to make the choice. And if you're here this morning and God brought you to Calvary on a weekend like this to hear the word of God and to be the Holy Spirit's just been nudging on your heart the whole time. And you know, you don't even know all the things that I'm talking about. Maybe it's all confusing to you, but you know that God's brought you here for your moment of salvation. And if that's you, no one looking around except for me because I wonder who I'm praying with, would you lift your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I, I'm here to make a decision for Jesus Christ, to live my life for him. Is there anyone in this room this morning that needs to say yes to Jesus? Be part of the family of God. Yeah, see your hand. God bless you. Thank you so much. Yeah, and yours. Yeah, thank you. So Jesus, I thank you that you make us family. We're not a crowd, we're a family. Help us to operate in that way. Give us the, the tug or nudge on our heart this week to text those in, our, in the family of God that we might be able to encourage or to text those that we need help carrying our burdens. Help us to just be an honest community, a vulnerable community, a place that, that is for each other and supports each other and walks with each other through all the things of life. And so we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.